4: Can't
3: wait question of the day. Because on a Tuesday in October, before Derby Day, I was gonna was gonna ask everybody are you mentally prepared for an All Blacks test? <laughs> like, are you mentally prepared for an All Blacks test? Because this test against Japan is equal to every other All Blacks test. It's a test. It's mm. test rugby this weekend. Yet, for everything as he just pointed out, I feel like we're just kind of cruising along, ambling along with this second string side. Players missing. Brody Retailix said it's not disruption because it's not a Friday afternoon, so they know what they they know what their their stack of cards are, which I kind of get. Yeah. But are you mentally prepared for an All Blacks test? Don't worry about the players just yet, but are you mentally prepared for an All backs test? Because once this starts, we're on an interview tour. Where do you remember? We were debating only a couple of months ago how many how many wins they would get on this end of year tour, and if they couldn't if they couldn't nearly win four of the five games, well, we'd be seriously concerned. And everything is is just said there, Kimpy, is is completely right. Like we're going in so far undercooked, and Japan will look at this like the way Ireland looked at it, and the way Argentina looked at it is there has never, ever, ever been a great opportunity to topple the mighty All Blacks?
0: Well, yeah, like, they, there has been a decent break in in the footy. Um, there's an article come out about Jamie Joseph and, and Tony Brown being the next All Black coach. <laughs> Coaching pair, so the, the the mind games have started playing out. I think, of, look, I think if they ever had a chance, and they've watched what's gone on this year with the Island Test and the in the Championship, that they would probably consider themselves to be a chance at home. Um, mm. And you've got a couple of blokes that can actually pull it apart and and get them to understand how they can win the game. What's going to be really interesting is how who Fozzy picks. And and who he puts in the side, you know, because he's going to have to take into account what happens if it does get really tight. Who's going to be able to pull it out for him with no uh, with with no Bodie Barrett coming off the bench? Because because Bodie Barrett has you know he's been used in that position a number of times where he's come on and just changed the face of the game. To, so I hear you, I hear. You, I think I think Peter Fitzer gets a, gets a game, is he. But for me, he's no Bodie Barrett. Well, he ain't got the yeah. speed for one thing. You know, where yeah, no, he puts it down, puts it down in a gap and off a kick or something like that and has just won so many games for the All Blacks. So yeah, no, I, I hear. I I think I think everyone's a little bit nervous to be honest. I really haven't given it a hell of a lot of thought because there's so much on. Nah. Yeah. There's just yeah, so That's much what on. say this say
4: <laughs> I'm not mentally prepared, Louie, no, because right. let's be completely honest. I'm not <laughs> yeah. I'm not watching it this weekend. It's not at the forefront of my mind, so
3: I'll watch won't it won't either. But that's, that's um, it. So like, it's, I think it's snuck up on me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people will be like that, Izzy. Double oh, eight, double three. let me know. eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. The Ken Arts phone line needs you to come through and explain to me why you are mentally prepared if you are. I'm not. <laughs> the only thing I'm prepared for is carnage if the unthinkable happens, which we got to co- stop calling the unthinkable,
4: mm, <laughs> you you know enough. What I mean? <laughs> yeah.
3: we, when do we drop the saying the unthinkable? Oh, I know, I know the the,
0: the the game that just keeps on giving. You know what I mean? Uh, look, honestly, I'm I'm
4: a little bit genuinely worried, Ken, because. Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown are tactically and technically very smart at what they do. They'll have some special players up their sleeves that they've been building on for the last three months that they've seen Argentina, South Africa, Australia exposed. So when you're sitting there and you've just been to a camp in Bepu, Oita, and they've had a couple of the top league teams come down and play them in warm-up games, and they've been battle-hardened. And they are immensely like, – oh, Japanese people are emotionally, man. They are emotional. And when they get up, they are hard. Man, they can tackle. They, they won't miss tackles. They'll take the legs out every single time that that All Black runs around the corner. They'll just aim those knees, grass cut them. They're small. They're, they're tough, mate. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, if it
3: happens, <laughs> I'm hoping it doesn't. But generally a little bit worried. What, what's I've got the point start here on the TAB website if you guys were setting the line for this game, what would you set it at?
0: Oh, I'd give Japan 21. Is he? Yeah,
4: I'll go 20. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go 20-ish. Oh, I
0: I, I'm know. only saying this
4: because I spoke to Michael Leach. He is Mr. Japanese, you know, and he was – I saw it in his eyes, eh? He was like genuinely he was genuinely confident and I'm like going laughing having a got um Fiji goal, going <laughs> shut up But then after you know watching Argentina and then that, then I was like man he's
3: genuinely dead serious. He he thinks he can beat the All Blacks. Well TAB are giving them thirty one and a half which if, you, if you're kind of along the lines of thinking that the All Blacks are underdone they're going to have to They, I mean they have to give opportunity to guys that haven't played yet because, and that's the gutting thing about Leicester flying Anuku and, and you hope he's okay and you hope his family's okay first and foremost first and foremost you hope everything's okay with Lester and yep. his whanau um, the gutting part next is this was the game where he got to he would have played and it would have could have set the tone for the tour he might have got another opportunity and who knew from there so We'll see new players out there, um, and I guess from there, it's what What do you make of it, and, and where are you at with the All Blacks? Richie says the dilemma is to watch the All Blacks or the Black Ferns live. Well, they're going up against a, a Rugby World Cup. That's such a good point. Judging by, well, I guess your interaction, maybe you're not, and that's fair enough. Well, what about <laughs> What about the reality that we've got a World Cup quarter final on our own shores? Yeah. Is he? And I guess. The, the dilemma with... And it's similar to the Rugby League World Cup as well. You're kind of just waiting for the semi-finals to start. Like, there's a bit of that. Yeah,
4: yeah for, sure. for sure. But, you, you, you
3: know, those pool players are hugely vital and important building
4: that cohesion, those combinations, trying to figure out like, what is the best uh, you know, team going forward. And I think on the weekend we we got signs of, particularly in the front row with our, our Black Fern side because... Let's be completely honest. We've, we know we can compete with them ball and play, but if we got no set piece and no line-out, which Wales exposed the week before, we've got no chance. And on the weekend we saw a glimmer of hope with our forward pack um, with Georgia um, Ponsonby, Pip Love and Amy Rule. They had an opportunity and they really cemented that front row stock. So look, that's what the, those pull pays are about. Now we're going forward, this is do or die. Like They've got no second chance here and all signs are showing that they're in a good headspace at the moment. Um, they're gonna to have to do it tough. They're gonna to play France if they do make to the semis, and then England in the finals. So it's gonna be a hell of a, hell of a win if they do get it done. But they're back home, and um, I'm super excited. The, the question now is because Hazel Tubick's my favorite player. I love what she does. She's quality. She put on a solid performance. Does Rohe De Montt come in? Does there room... I'm I'm expecting Rohe because she's obviously a captain and she's a hell, of a hell of a player, hell of a leader. Comes in and plays 10. And then the makeshift of the back line. Does Stacey Flula, who was very, very good at that first test, come back into the fold? Who does she replace? Does she replace Teresa Fitzpatrick, who was <laughs> phenomenal as well? Does Amy um, Dupacy make way for, for Stace? Look, there's plenty of things to debate. you got... Alicia Latinga Inga uh, on the wing. Does she come in for Porsche? You got Renee Wycliffe who scored four tries on the weekend. So there's a selection <laughs> headache, but that's, that's what you want. Blacks, mate. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's, exactly what you so want. You, you want a selection headache, hey, Kimpy, because 100%. this is when it, you know this is when it, when you want to pick your best side. So good luck to Wayne Smith, Alan Bunting,
0: and and the coaching group. For this weekend. We are right behind them. I'm absolutely finished for this weekend. I was talking about it yes, yesterday about the Aussies and what they're doing off the field, you know, and, the, and it looks the same with the the Black Ferns. They're, they're building a really good culture off the field and and of course being at home, you want to be playing in front of the big crowds because they're showing up. They're showing yep. up to support the girls and they're all playing You know, decent enough football to all get selected in the side. So when you when you're the coach, you know Wayne Smith will be sitting there licking his lips, going, "Well, yep, I know my girls are in form, so you know, I'll put mm. put what I thinks the best combination out there to get the job done against, hopefully France and then England." So, um, I'm watching it too, mate. I think it's I think it's really exciting for the girls. You know, if they can get the job done on home soil, we have seen it with England up in the World Cup. You know. Um, Frankie Endicott saying, you know, in the, in the hundred odd years that you've been up there, there's only been three test series the Kiwis have ever won on there because it's so hard to win there. Now that home ground advantage for our Blackfoons should be worth a few points.
3: Yeah, and you hope that Northland this weekend. By the way, lads, um, Kimpy, you and me will be there on Friday. Fun day oh. at Chemist Warehouse.
0: Yeah, you know, fifty-four years ago, legend was born in that town. <laughs>
3: And he comes <laughs> back <laughs> he re- And return. he returns And he returns <laughs> Return hey, <turn> <laughs> Return Mac of you. the Mac <laughs> You like that? <laughs> yeah baby Return of the Mac um, We'll be there Chemist Warehouse in Whangarei On Friday morning And we'd love to see you If you're in the northern area Our northern oh, uh, We've yeah. got a couple of uh, Northern L from Al from Whangarei uh, we yep. got we got a couple of Northland listeners. We'd love to see you Friday morning cruise around the Chemist Warehouse. The team at the Chemist Warehouse will have some, oh no doubt they'll be putting pulling out all the stops. So we hope the people of Northland get behind them this weekend. Now, Izzy I was just curious. Are you? So you you uh, we're playing. I fly play it out. No 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 no. That's not what I was talking <laughs> hey, about. Hey, so hey, so that's not so what, what I was talking about. Way to out yourself. Gee, guilty. <laughs> uh so are we we play France, the winner of France, of Italy, not the winner of England or Australia. I'm pre- it's
4: it's I've, I might have got it wrong. It might be England and then France in the final. But it's, it's either way, we're playing both
3: because they'll both get, get their jobs done. It is sure. fr- it is France and England, Joe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, is, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I think we're all just penciling England right through, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they are. They they are so good. They, you see them, well, make short light work of of
4: South Africa. Man, they're, they're pretty good. They're going to be hard to beat, but they've already come out with mind games and said, it's a, it's a New Zealand's to lose. They're at home.
3: <laughs> well, uh, speaking of South Africa, I've got a bit of sports news for you just after. I don't know how the news for Kabodati that were shaping and building New Zealand. A little bit of interesting information around the Springboks and the All Blacks. So back to the men's side of the game. I'll give you that just after this.
4: 2022 has been Red Bull and Max Verstappen's year, and they reminded everyone of it over the weekend in Texas.
0: It's a victory
4: that will give Red Bull the Constructors' Championship in 2022.
0: It's celebrations for team and for Driver on such a poignant weekend. Max Verstappen wins the United States Grand Prix.
4: Yes, after an emotional build-up following the death of Red Bull founder and owner Dietrich Mastecic. Verstappen had out rival Lewis Hamilton to give Red Bull their first Constructors' Championship since 2013. But it's F1, so there has to be controversy and they've been labelled (laughs) cheats by many for breaching the budget cap. To break down the significance of this breach and recap what it looked like another entertaining weekend in Austin, is gun Formula One journalist Ben Hunt, who joins us online now from the States. Good evening, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thank you, guys. How are you? Ah, Very well, mate. What's it like being back in the US Grand Prix, Austin?
2: Had it all? Yeah, it's mega. It's mega. I mean, it's a, it's a race that I've been coming to for a number of years, but um, the popularity has just grown and grown and grown. And so every single time that we come back, there seems to be more and more people. This time around, there was over 440,000 people over the whole weekend. So um, absolutely boom, booming, yeah. um, booming industry.
0: You know, it's good good sign for F1. Fizzing, Fizzing. What was the dominating conversation
2: in the lead-up to the race, Ben? It's all about the cost cap. Um, F1 have produced these rules which basically limit, limits people's spending um, and of course Red Bull have fouled they haven't, they haven't stuck within the limit they've spent too much we don't know how much and uh, they've been found to have broken these rules and, and now they're trying to work out this punishment so unfortunately we're talking about off-track stuff at the moment
4: and what's the take on all this from the rest of the drivers the rest of the teams and what, how severe is this punishment going to be in your, in your eyes you feel
2: yeah, I mean, all the talk is, is you know, the other drivers and, and teams are a bit upset. You know, they've managed to cut their cloth accordingly and and, and they feel like they've operated within the limit. Um, and then the, you've got a team that's obviously gone over. Um, you know, there's a, a suggestion it's only a, a small amount. Um, you know, under under $2 million is the, is the figure that they're looking at. I mean, say small, I mean, that's still sizable when you can <laughs> consider just how much that, that buys in, in terms of spare parts and speed. So... You know they're a little bit upset, and, and of course they want Red Bull punished. Um, you've got to say in their interests, they actually want Red Bull punished for future, um, you know, future development to sort of, you know, slow them down a little bit. That's really their focus. So it's all brinkmanship. It's all political. It's great. It's good for me. You know, it's writing stories. So um, you know, it's all fun.
0: Yeah, it's not good though, <laughs> really, is it, Ben? You know, how how much has it sullied their win, Red Bull? This. Um, I guess this—you're calling it a misdemeanor at two million dollars.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you know, F1, F1 works hard to, to boost its appeal around the world, and you know, the Netflix drive to survive series has been incredibly popular. Um, but then you find that there's these elements which sort of come back, and and they and then they do tarnish the sport. That's the that's the reality. Um, you know, you want to be coming into a race talking about great racing, competitiveness, and obviously World Championships, you don't really want to be coming in talking about cost caps and you know people being unhappy. But it, it's all part of the political uh, landscape within F1. It's always been there. And unfortunately, that's just where we're at at the moment.
4: Well, does it seem like McStaffin secretly loves us, enjoys it when the card is stacked against him <laughs> and he's able to win even when things don't always go his way, like the pit stop era, this controversy before, yes. he obviously had a lot of emotions yeah. riding on this race with the passing of the owner of Red Bull.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a tenacious, um, you know, tenacious competitor. Um, there was something different about him this weekend. He was emotional. I think that, you know, I think that a lot of people didn't see that. But when he was doing his press conference, especially after qualifying on Saturday night, he was visibly shaken and upset about the the, the passing of the Red Bull um, founder, you know, you you could see that. And I think that that there was a sense of relief um, having clinched that team's championship. And you could see the way that the team celebrated. Um, You know, they were very pleased. And obviously, rightly so, winning the championship first time since, you know, first time in nine years is a big achievement. So it was quite a fitting way. Um, I think it was also quite fitting for Red Bull. You know, the way that they are a company known for, sort of extreme sports and just their attitude of you know being controversial so we say and I just think that it was probably a fitting end to the season given the you know the tragic passing of their owner.
0: And what about the uh, the fans um, Ben you know like there's some world-known rivalries between, between certain individuals the one between Verstappen and Hamilton how was everyone yeah. taking that were they happy to see that back on? It's slightly different because
2: Formula One really hasn't had this sort of rivalry with with regards to fans. Yes, drivers have had rivals in the past. You've seen, you know, Senna and Prost, you know, a famous one. And, of course, now we've got you know, Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen. But the element that's slightly different this time around is the fans. Like, you know, it's almost tribal. It's almost like football in the sense that, you know, you're either a Lewis fan or a Max Verstappen fan. And for me, that's the interesting thing. And and watching it play out on social media, is quite ferocious and, and pretty nasty at times. But that's a slightly different element that we haven't actually seen within F1 before. So, you know, it's interesting to watch. Um, you know, they, as two drivers, they don't really like each other, but they certainly do respect each other. And I think that, you know, there's, that, that element is still there regardless of everything that they've gone through. I think that Lewis is able to appreciate just how good, Lewis, uh, so how good Max is at the moment and vice versa. Um, although they might not publicly say it, I think that they sort of do respect each other's achievements.
4: Well, other fans, Ferrari, they would have been jumping for joy at the start of the season with Charles Leclerc, <laughs> showing signs of bringing yeah. F- Ferrari back to the promised land. Well, how will Ferrari view this yeah. season for themselves?
2: Another disaster. I mean, you know, it's been a total, total disaster. I'm, a, I'm afraid there's no way of dressing this up. Um you know, that car, if, if we're being honest, that car is the quickest car on the grid. You only need to look at the amount of poles wow. that they've had, um, you know, the two drivers, compared to Red Bull. You know, they've, they've absolutely smashed it on a Saturday. But when it's come to Sunday, the business end, they've either made a mistake, they've had reliability problems. <laughs> you know, all the drivers have made a mistake. So it's, it's really unfortunate for the way that it's worked out. And, you know, they've really got to pull the socks up and, and get everything together, ready for another go next year.
0: Hey, Ben, uh, is, uh, I guess Haas, are they, they scored some points at home. Are they happy with
2: that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a, a tough season um, for them. I mean, I think Mick Schumacher's been sort of a bit of a bit of a letdown for them in, so, in some respects. You know, I think that they were hoping more, for more. I think they're obviously very pleased with Kevin Magnuson. Um, but, yeah, scoring points at home's a big thing. Uh, it's an interesting one for that team. Obviously, they were sniffing around um, Daniel Ricciardo as well, and, and and they were quite keen to get him involved for for 2023. Um, you know, and he's he's out. You know, he's turned them down, which is a you know a, a surprise and perhaps a silly move because that car isn't actually too bad. I think that you know, had he you know taken that job, he, he could have sort of helped that team move forward, and you know, he would have remained in Formula One. So. A little bit of a surprise from him to, to turn that down. And I think Hassel a little bit disappointed too. All right. Well, on the home stretch,
4: mate, uh, of the season now with the champions locked up, just two quick questions before I let you go. Are you excited for Las Vegas? Sure. Formula One, that must excite you. And is there any storylines yeah. we should be dialled into going forward? Um, first one, uh, Vegas,
2: I can't wait. I'm super excited, actually. It's going to be <laughs> really interesting. This is, a, this, is a, this is a race that F1 are putting on, and so... Like Miami, and they're doing everything themselves. My only concern is that they haven't given themselves very much time. You know, you've got a a year to get ready for this. Most circuits are sort of being built in two, three, maybe four years, and you have to get so much of it right. But they've only given themselves a very short time scale. So let's see how it works. I think it's going to be bonkers. I know all the hotels are already sold (laughs) out, and, you know, it's really going to be the hottest ticket in town trying to get in. But um, yeah, I'm super excited for that. In, In terms of, in terms of, lines and, and other things to look forward to. I think this cost cap's going to rumble on. I think that you know, that's going to be a, a potential tricky one to navigate. So um, let's just see how that pans out.
4: Yeah, it would be interesting to see what kind of example they make of Red Bull and, and Max Verstappen and Christian Horner. Mate, we appreciate you coming on our show. Take care, my friend, and uh, hopefully we can get you down under. Have you been to New Zealand before?
2: Never been to New Zealand. Been to Australia a few times, but never, that, never, never been a little bit oh. further on, I'm afraid. Well, we'll be in, you That's it. Ben, it's it's okay. One day. <laughs>
4: That's the biggest insult you could ever say to us. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to Australia, not New Zealand. Come on.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I, I need to make it. some more time, don't I? You do, you yeah. do,
4: my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ben. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> the back fence with
0: Tony Kemp. It's not very often an opportunity presents itself when you least expect it. In this instance, the opportunity comes in the shape of former Manly coach Desi Hasler, who has just been sacked. The 460-game Premiership winning coach is on the market after being released because of Manly's poor finish to the 2022 season, the catalyst of that demise coming after a club decision to support a pride jersey for players to wear without consulting them. Here's the thing, for me Desi Hasler is exactly the type of coach the Warrior needs, got the experience, been there, done that, picked up the t-shirt. He knows how to win a Premiership, but most importantly is mentoring arguably, arguably the answers to the Warriors woes. One would think that if you got Desi, you would have a very good chance of jagging the Trebojevic brothers, who might consider to be arguably in the top three players of any club. Add the younger brother at centre, and also Josh Schuster, and the problems at the Warriors look like a distant memory. Tom at one, Jake at 13, Josh Schuster at six, and an emerging centre makes for an exciting future. The question is, can anyone else see the opportunity? I know there will be casualties, but isn't that always the case when you are looking for success? It's slapping us in the face. Desi for Warriors coach, or am I just dreaming?
4: Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Ooh, Kempy, um, Interesting one, interesting one. Just because if we're going to have Kiwis coaching the Kiwis, I'd love to have a Kiwi coaching the Warriors. And he's another Aussie. And if we continue down that line... I think, yeah, it just doesn't set probably a good example so I'd rather go have a Kiwi in, in the Warriors to get that Kiwi identity Be I, I know the Aussies have a fit in there particularly with what Kevin Campion brought over and Stephen Price, they play their part and you might be onto something because that's one thing that lets us down is our ability to be professionals and, and having a professional winning environment but I'd love to have a Kiwi bring that over and, and be amongst that fold but yeah, it makes. Well, what is Dizzy going to do in your eyes? Where's he going to go next? Is he going to have another opportunity to coach in the NRL? or Is that Dizzy done?
0: Nah, of course he will. He's you know he's one of the most successful coaches in the NRL. Been around since two thousand and five, I think. Uh, two thousand and four, two thousand and five is when he first came in, and yep. uh, you know he's he's very very good. So he'll pick up another another role, and I'm pretty sure that coaches will be thinking about the players that he can pull along. Is still. Mentoring a, a number of those manly players. The thing with it is that Jake Trebojevic, I reckon, is as Kevin Campion on uh, you know on the current market. He's tough, mm. you know. He plays through the middle, but he brings that ball playing um, middle player that Kevin Campion used to be because Kemper yeah. was a really good ball player. And Tom Trebojevic, yeah. in my eyes, best player in the NRL uh, by country mile. And if we can, if they can get him, so if you can get them, and his younger brother looks to go. The, those key those key positions in NNR, in our NRL team are the spine, but you also need a really good thirteen in today's game, and you also need a really good centre. And I think you can just probably pick all those up if you get Desi. What I'm saying is that the answer's there in one signing. You know what I mean? And he's the type of guy with experience to come to the club that would actually bring people. He's not a he's not a you know, I'm not. I you know, don't know Andrew Webster from a bar of soap, but he's not Andrew Webster. That, that, that in itself, that comment in itself, would be if you're talking so, to a player, then you go, well, you know, who's Andrew Webster?
4: can, can I ask you this? Why, why would you want a, a Kiwi coach to coach the Kiwis, and then Aussie to coach the Warriors?
0: Well, I think I think they both come hand in hand. As I think, what you've got to do is you've got to build pathways, and currently. You know, this is the thing about signing a twenty-year. You know, I I mentioned this a couple of years ago when we were talking about this about signing someone like a Craig Bellamy to a a high-performance role at the Warriors, where he came in and he built pathways. So you give him a twenty-year contract, and he built those pathways through New Zealand. I remember speaking to Phil Gould last year when he was working at the Warriors. One of the things we talked about was coaching the coaches. So you need someone who's able to do that. If we continually go for new. Young coaches, they're never going to do that. I, I guarantee you. So this
4: is about the future for the Warriors, I building think, their future?
0: I think so. And I think I think it's like getting back to square one and having someone that understands how to do that. And for me, there's only a couple that can do it. There's, there's Desi Hasler, uh, Craig Bellamy, Trent Robinson. I think Wayne Bennett's retiring anyway. Well,
4: our next guest will probably have a similar scoring average. She's very, very good on that golf course. Our Kiwi golfers could not be more unconscious at the moment in just the weekend gone. We had Lids and Steve Alka claiming tournament wins. Foxy jagging in another top five. And back home, Sam Jones, the big left-hander, became the first amateur to win the Jenny and Holmes trophy. That's just to name a handful of our stars. To put it simply, we are flying on the greens around the world. And a name you can add to that list is on the cusp of doing great things herself, is Amelia Garvey, who has given herself another chance at getting her tour card at the end of this year. Amelia's back in the country, just quietly had a wee trip to Eti. Absolute hot dog you are. Seeing that little photo flying in on your chopper. How good is that? And she's been good enough to jump on the phone with us this morning. Hey, Amelia.
1: Hey, Izzy. How are you?
4: Good, thank you. How is Eti? Did you even play golf oh. or just had a feed?
1: <laughs> no, I seriously, just went up for lunch, eh hey?
4: Um <laughs> it was unreal.
1: <laughs> oh, um It no. was Yeah, no, the it was an unreal experience. I actually just flew up to Auckland Saturday morning, went straight to the helipad. um, nice wee trip, nice wee long lunch, um, out in the clubhouse and flew back to Auckland that the ARVO so uh Yeah, unreal experience. And then I've had the opportunity to play the course um, a couple of times before, but that was pretty cool. Well,
4: how's it to be back in New Zealand? Are you enjoying being home? Yeah, it's
1: great. Um, Got home just over a week ago and just back for a a quick reset. Um, I have seven weeks off in between uh, my last event of the season and final stage of Q School, so I thought I'd pop back and – um, head back over middle of November.
0: Hey Amelia, talk to us about what point of uh, uh, where you're at in your career because you made a pretty important putt a few weeks back, didn't you? I did. Um,
1: yeah, it was a bit crazy. So on, on the Epson tour, you play all year and basically the top 10 um, on the money list at the end of the year earn their um, tour card onto the LPGA. And then the top 35 on the money list advance into um, final stage instead of having to play uh, the brutal two stages before that. So I, uh, I was sitting at 38 starting the final week and I knew I needed probably a top 10 to uh, jump up into that top 35. And so crazy how you play all year, but it can come down to... I think, what, was a 12-footer on the last and managed to make oh. that and snuck into the top 35 by $700. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it all came down to that putt, to be fair. But <laughs> thank you.
4: How, how were you standing over that putt? Like, I'm thinking about it when I'm putting for double bogey and I'm nervous. You know, like, How were you standing over that putt? How do you control those nerves?
1: Oh, honestly, you know, I don't really remember, to be fair. Um, I made a bit of a run on the back nine. I think I made four birdies in my last six holes. Um, I'd made a few putts similar distance coming in. Um, So I was just trying to do what I'd done all day. Um, And then at the end of the day, you can't really control whether it goes in or not. So I was just trying to put a good stroke on it and get it to the hole, obviously.
0: Hey, hey, Amelia, what about the financing side of it? It's not the easiest career to fund, is it?
1: No, no, that's, yeah, for sure. It's a very expensive sport and out on tour, you pay your way. Um, But I've been lucky enough to have um, a lot of amazing people back home in New Zealand that have supported me, um, especially just to get me on my feet this year. Being my rookie year, you, you kind of start off the year with, not much in the bank before you've started playing um and luckily i've gone out and made quite a you know a fair bit of money to help um fund my year but it's i've had a lot of uh, generous people from you know my club back home and in, in christchurch and also um some very very nice people up at tower as well so it's been great um to be able to get back home and reconnect with the people and my family, and um, before I try and get on to the LPGA, which has been my dream for you know since I was a little girl. So it's amazing that I've still got that opportunity.
4: What's a great lesson you've you've learnt this year in your first year as a pro, Amelia?
1: Oh, I think um, the biggest difference between you know this has been my first year um, competing week after week. I think it's just you know those margins for errors out there compared to playing as an amateur. Um, I think you you drop one shot on on the tour and you're probably dropping about twenty places on the leaderboard. Um, so it's really just dialing into, you know, each and every shot and getting as much as you can get out of it. Um, no matter what you you don't really have any opportunity to switch off or you know you got to give everything you can out there cuz you know i've i've missed my fair share of cuts by by one and i've also made them by one um and you know you can jump up by you know 20, 20 shots or or one shot around even you know that's four shots over a tournament that's the difference between a top 20 or a top 5 um or even a win you know so it's just really making sure that you're giving each shot everything everything you can and not and not letting those little opportunities slip, slip away.
3: Hey, guys, it's Louie here. Great to have you back in the country and on the show, mate. And look, we, we speak to um, Sam Pinfold a wee bit, who caddies for Cam Smith. And one thing that he's kind of give us a bit of insight to is the team that they've built around Cam, including himself, but sports psych, physio, as well as his swing coaches. I guess without a huge amount of resource and doing it on limited funds, how have you, I know your cousin was on your bag for a long time. Like how have you built your team and network around you and what support do you have to make sure you are dialed into every shot?
1: Yeah. I mean, luckily I've, you know, I've grown up um, through the New Zealand golf program and have been able to kind of understand that golf. Yes, it's an individual sport, but it's not at the end of the day, you have to have um, a team around you and, I've, you know, I've worked with my psychologist back home in Christchurch since I was 12 or 13. I've got my trainer back here. My coach is actually based in the States, and he was he was out at that last event with me. Um, and then also my cousin, who's a uh, head pro over in England, um, he's come out and caddied for me quite a bit this, this year. So um, it's just... It is it is a team sport and having people who have been with you since, you know, you're a little girl and they believe in you and have believed in you since um, you were that young, I think it's just really nice and you know that they're going to be there for you no matter what um, and they only want what's best for you. So um, I've definitely been able to build a team around me um, and have known the importance of that since since I've come up through the New Zealand golf program. So it's, uh, it's awesome having, you know, you are out there by yourself at the end of the day, but to have those people to fall back on. And I think in New Zealand we have such amazing service providers as well. Um, I learn so much from them every single day and they only push me to, to be not only be a better golfer but a better person as well.
4: Yeah, t- talk to us about the situation with New Zealand golf. This is a golden era. This is a golden era of New Zealand golf. There is, there is no fluke that we are having the success, and you've touched on it briefly, the support that you've had from New Zealand golf and people around the country. Can you just dive into that a little bit more? Uh, what has New Zealand golf done for you to allow this, and how are we getting so much success at the moment in terms of golfers in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, I think I've spoke to a lot of girls about this in in America and I think being from a small country where we do breed um, a lot of high performance athletes, you know, like my psychologist John Quinn, he's he didn't really Quinny. work with many Quinny. Yeah, Quinny. He didn't really work with many golfers um when I started off out with him, but um you know, he's worked with a lot of Olympians, um the Crusaders and at the end of the day, I think professional athletes as a whole, there's common themes between, you know, like the support and the way of life and how we go about things. So it doesn't necessarily need to be specialised in your certain sport, but to have, you know, the access to these service providers because we are a small country. Um, a lot of girls don't get that in the States. Um, so I'm, you know... I'm very blessed that I've been able to be exposed to these people and this kind of knowledge at such a young age. Um, and Gulf New Zealand have, you know, helped me out with that. And of course, like when you're 12 or 13, you're not really <laughs> paying much attention to the mental side. You know, you're being told to do things and you don't really realize how important it is until you're out here, you know, living it. Um, but I think Gulf New Zealand does an amazing job at, just getting us in with it um, at mm-hmm. a young age and then, you know, you have the access to these people um, once you actually get out there and realise, okay, this is, this is definitely a big part of my sport, um, but not just your sport, you know, life in general. I think a lot of conversations that I have with Quinny is, are off course related as well, um, but it's yeah. just about managing who you are which then you can go ahead and manage who you are as an athlete as
4: well love it love it because everyone talks about when you're at that high performance level it's the ones that can cope mentally on the big stage 90 percent is mental everyone's got the talent to be there but they're there for a reason because they're bloody good at what they do but it's the ones that can withstand the pressure and those vital moments that will overcome it and Amelia you are you're nailing those little areas, and I'm pretty sure they're going to pay off going forward. Just quickly, before we let you go, we're going to talk about her. Lydia Ko, we had her on the other week. And Kempi's starting to form a little theme here. We get guests on, and then they go on and win. We had Lydia on get two ready. weeks ago. She went on and won. So, Amelia, you're going to go on and win. Come on, right on. Come on, guys.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that that's a theme because I could take a win right now at the end of the season. Don't sure, worry, it's coming. Join... <laughs> yeah, be unreal to go and join Lydia next year, but what she's done over the weekend that's that's awesome stuff. and I think she's well she's leading the uh, cME globe right now, isn't she? Yeah yep,
4: she's first oh, yeah,
1: yeah, that's um. Un- I oh, know she's, you know, she deserves everything that she can get. But to uh, go and hopefully give her another Kiwi out on tour and maybe give her a run at a few tournaments as well to have two Kiwis at the top of the leaderboard would be pretty cool.
4: it will be awesome. We're backing you here on SENZ. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, when you get home, I just yeah, that driver's plan up again. So maybe just a little bit of a hand with that, please. it will be much appreciated. <laughs> Thank you so right,
1: much. Uh, um, cheers,
4: Izzy, no worries. You're
3: yeah, she is the, you're, you're, the, the best, really you're the best. Ah, the,
0: how, ah, many, how many golf pros have you got helping you at your swing?
3: About six that I can oh. count.
4: <laughs> yeah, about seven, bro, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help. They all give me different things to work on, so my game, my brain, my, you know, someone who needs mental, you know, a little bit of help. As myself up there, I'm like, how does this go, Cooney, all go straight? You, go I don't book, know. Fucking
3: for a session with
4: Now, nah, I was lucky. I played. I played a game with Millie last year, and she. We actually played together, and I apologise because I lost us the game, and yeah, we had to cough up about twenty bucks. So I apologise for that, but uh, she's she's a good chick, and she's flying at the moment. And that vital part, she's dead right. She's doing everything possible to get us to the next level. Hell of a story. Hopefully, she can keep continue that. That journey, but it's not over. You think of Dan Hillier last year. That's right. Inches to gain his card. Deflated at the end of the season, had to go and do it again. Now he's gonna probably gain it. So well
3: he's he's flying at the moment, so he's good. it's really similar stories because you heard Daniel when he's told us about how the year earlier he probably didn't quite grasp how big every moment was, and that's exactly what Amelia's just said. And then you can you work a whole year and all of a sudden everything it can be so unfair, it can all be boiled down to one putt where you just read it by a centimetre wrong. Like it's so cruel. But understanding that and then working with it and leaning into those moments like Meals did there. Um, it's it's really special to be able to as an athlete probably isolate yourself into that moment and just say this is what this is and I'm just going to putt this ball and what happens what happens you know what does bears always say be where your feet are the Gilbert and Oketh situation yeah. it's it's not I can't imagine it's easy to do Kimby.
0: Very focused. She's very focused, and she articulated the whole profession, uh, the high-performance professionalism of it all in and around that conversation about resilience, talent, and, and having that mental space to do it. You know, the best things that she um, she got to do this year was come on the breakfast show, because we just sprinkled some dust on her, eh, Izzy? And she knows <laughs> but you, you, it. Hey, so yeah, are we, we not stoppers
3: it. anymore? Because I've backed Anna Mahoney's one. We're, we're yeah. not stoppers we'll anymore. No, mate. Changing the pathway. I
0: brought that that up yesterday on the show. I said to Izzy, I was sitting there on the weekend going, man, we actually spoke to that person and then I was going through them all and I was going, every time we spoke to them, they've gone out and won. Winners win. (laughs) How
4: good. What about look what I love for that conversation, Kimpi, is the pathways, how she touched on New Zealand golf and the genuine pathways that they allowed. 130,000 registered members in New Zealand. The Huge. Most ever. You think before COVID, it's doubled. Like, this is a game that's becoming inclusive for everyone. For everyone, you, you don't have to go out. Like someone asks you, why do you love golf? And how will you tell someone to get in golf? The, the biggest struggle at the moment is pressure. Time pressure and pressure when you're on the golf course. You don't want to be slow. You don't want to be you know, holding people up. So I just said, well, you don't have to go to the golf course. Go to the driving range, hit some balls, get some confidence, go out there, play three holes, play four holes. You don't have to play nine or 18. Just give it a crack. And and then trying to include it with everyone. Gone are the days of golf being a sport for the rich and famous. You know, this is a game for everyone. And this is a game that's going to be inclusive for shapes, anyone. Anyone can go out and enjoy it. Life's busy. Take this deck.